Alrighty, let's get into the meat of today's episode. And we're going to start with the Mecca Summit, the Peace Summit in Mecca, uh, or the fake Peace Summit in Mecca, as I would like to call it. Because what else would you call a Peace Summit that excludes one of the only two parties in the war? There's only two parties in the war. There's Ukraine and there's Russia. And Russia wasn't invited. And the point of the peace was to try to get, or at least the aims of the people who organized the summit, were to try to get Russia to relinquish the territories that they've given Ukraine. But you're not going to have Russia present there for them to... Oh, these people don't know diplomacy. I'll just I'll just start by saying that they don't know diplomacy. They they think they know, but they don't. And that's the danger. That's the dangerous thing about them. They think they know diplomacy, but they don't. They think that by having all these countries meet in Mecca, and having Ukraine lay out its peace plan, that they're gonna create this international pressure to force Russia to make peace, even though everyone already knows what the deal is. And quite frankly, a lot of the countries that showed up to the summit um, are not hostile to Russia in the slightest. In fact, they're more likely to be in on the side of Russia, if anything else. Russia's been playing one hell of a diplomatic game while the war has been going on it i really really don't see what they're planning to achieve here <laughs> excuse me i don't see what they're planning to achieve here because a lot because it's not like russia and ukraine have been the only ones talking about peace well, if you're on the side of Ukraine, it's not as if Zelensky was the only person proposing peace. A number of the countries that showed up to this delegation had already proposed their own peace plans, and many of which included Ukraine giving up land. So how exactly you were going to bridge that gap between them with their own plans that they had come out with individually over the course of the war, how are you going to bridge the gap where they independently of you come up with peace plans that involve Ukraine giving up land, how are you going to bridge the gap between that and Ukraine getting back all the territory that it wants and then imposing that on Russia? I don't know how they, I, I don't know how they were going to do that. The Duran speculates that this summit was supposed to be a part of the, the narrative of the great counteroffensive where Ukraine was supposed to break through the Russian defenses and score these massive victories. And then, after the string, after those string of victories, after all those gains, we were going to have this, this summit to sort of build off that momentum and create the impression that Russia was just uh, falling apart and that the, the, the tides that turned, not just on the battlefield, but diplomatically. And, you know, there's probably a good deal of credence to that, given the given what we know about the people that we're dealing with and how they obsess over narrative, even when reality has other things to say. They obsess over narrative. But I really don't see what was trying to be achieved here. How do you how do you come to the conclusion that you're going to get all these countries to go along with Zelensky's peace plan when some of them, again, came out with their own peace plans and of which, uh, ironically, 
Arabia was one, and they proposed their own peace during this summit. Uh, they were supposed to just shut up and be quiet in the background and be the host of this. No, they came up and proposed their own peace plan, which yet again was a peace involving Ukraine giving up part of its territory to Russia. It's, and that's that's the, that's the international consensus when it comes to the peace that Ukraine is just going to have to give up territory, and it's only Ukraine and the West who can't accept that. It's only us only us we're the only ones who can't accept that everybody else has already come to the conclusion that if you don't give up the territory there's not going to be a peace oh well not without the total annexation of ukraine anyway there's not going to be a negotiated settlement if you're not going to do that you're losing everyone else in the world views ukraine as losing the war or, or ukraine as being in a really bad position to where they can't necessarily win the war. That's where the international consensus is. It's only in the hyper-propagandized West, in Europe, Britain, and United States, where we entertain ideas of Ukraine getting this grand victory over Russia, the final victory, as some might call it. But it's our view is not based on reality. Especially when we talked about the offensive and it's objective failure. It's objective failure. You've gained a hundred plus square kilometers of land. A hundred plus square kilometers and give me a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate that into civilized for you people. <laughs> Ukraine over the course of the two and a half months that they've been at this offensive, they have gained a hundred square kilometers. 100 square kilometers. That's it. That's all. And we'll we'll cover that a little bit more in detail on the third topic when we talk about Russia's uh, offensive. But 100 square kilometers, a little, a little bit more, out of the 87,000 that Russia still holds on to. And they lost how many armored vehicles? How many tanks? Like... And how many men? They lost tens of thousands of men. It's crazy. It is actually crazy. So they've gained, uh, and I've translated that from uh, uncivilized to civilized, they've gained around 62 square miles. After two and a half months of fighting, after throwing away 200 plus tanks. I, I, I don't know the exact number anymore. It's, 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 beyond, it's beyond me. They've uh, thrown away four to five, maybe even more than that, 100 armored vehicles. And these were numbers we had uh, a month ago. They've thrown away all this and lost tens of thousands of people to gain... 62 square miles. That's not a win. 62 square miles out of, let's see, 87,000 out of 54,000 square miles that Russia controls. That's an L. That's an L. There's, there's, 
no way around that. There's no covering that up. There's no putting a Band-Aid on that. There's no sugarcoating that. There's no dressing it up and putting makeup on it, making it. There's no way past that. That is an L. There's no other interpretation to be had. That is, an, that is objectively an L. And a pricey one at that. How do you come back from that? And again, we'll talk more about that later on. But this is the situation on the ground as we come. That, that This is the situation on the ground that forms the context behind which we are having these peace summits in Mecca. Ukraine losing. Ukraine throwing it all on the line and getting nothing in exchange. That's the context. That's the backdrop to this peace summit where you are demanding everything from the Russians who have just annihilated your offensive for two months straight. It's unrealistic. It's incredibly unrealistic. And I went over and I went over why I didn't view this as a legitimate peace summit, which primarily being one that you're losing. You, you can't make demands of the side that's winning when you're losing. And then two, how are you going to make demands of Russia when Russia's not even at the summit? Russia wasn't invited out of all the countries that sent delegations out of all 40 of them. Uh, it, which included all the BRICS nations minus Russia. It included Indonesia. It included Mexico and even Egypt, to name a few big boys. Uh, Erdogan had some comments on it. <clears throat> Erdogan being the president of Turkey. But you had all these, these major countries except for Russia. Everyone's there except for Russia. Now, China didn't send its... Xi Jinping didn't go, but he sent a delegation for an affairs. Uh, There was a very specific department whom he had sent a delegation to this summit. But the international consensus is that Ukraine can't win. The international consensus is that Ukraine has to give up territory if it wants a negotiated settlement. And everyone can see that Ukraine has uh, lost... Uh, they've suffered ir- irreparable losses in this offensive that has failed. You cannot then, after not inviting the other side, talk about you're wanting to make a peace and you want to get back everything that you've lost in the war without consulting the side currently holding that territory. Like it'd be one thing if Russia was there and they said, hey, we want all the territory back. What do you need from us? Just lay it out on the table. What do you need from us? We're willing to lay down our arms. What do you need from us? We want our territory back. We know we. It'd be one thing if they accepted and came to terms with the fact that they can't get it back through force of arms. They can't force the Russians out of Ukraine. They can't do it. Okay. Well, the only way you get that territory back, and the, first you have to accept that you can't take it back through military force. Once you accept that, then you can go, okay, well, how can we get it back? The Russians have to give it. How do we get Russia to give it to us if we can't force them? Because you can't force them. You can't sanction them. They're unsanctionable. 
You can't beat them on the battlefield. You've already lost. You can't outflank them diplomatically because they've been playing. They've, well, they've been playing one hell of a diplomatic game. I said it earlier, but they've been doing a really good job of keeping other countries on their side or neutral in this conflict. So you can't outflank them diplomatically and try to apply pressure. You're not going to be able to sever their connection with China. You can't force them out militarily. How can you get that territory back if the Russians have to consent to giving it to you? You have to negotiate. What do you need from us in exchange for our territory back? Everything's on the table. That's the only way Ukraine's going to get that territory back if the Russians are even going to get it. If the Russians even feel like giving it back to them at this point. Because I've I've said it many times over the course of this conflict that Ukraine has demonstrated an unwillingness and inability to adhere to any agreement that it signs, particularly that the ones that it signs with the Russians. And if you can't be trusted to abide by a treaty, then why should we bother with a negotiated settlement? And I was saying this back when the war first started. If if Ukraine has this history of not abiding by the treaties that it signs and the agreements that it makes with Russia, well, then what reason do the Russians have of stopping until they've cleared, until they've cleaned house completely? Now, Putin has been a lot more lenient, but as the war has gone on, the pressure within Russia itself to just fight to the finish has grown. It hasn't weakened. And you have an inverse relationship in the United States where quite frankly, for the right reason, we're getting tired of this shit. It has nothing to do with us. So while our willingness to be involved is going down, Russia's willingness to finish the fight is going up because they're, they're fed up. They're done with Ukraine. They're done with the Ukrainian state. And if that means that they have to annex damn near all of Ukraine, then they're going to do it. And I was saying this back in the beginning of the war, just going off of Russia's stated war aims. How can you denazify Ukraine without first conquering all or a large swath of it? How can you demilitarize Ukraine without taking basically all of the country? You can't. You have to have a de facto control over the entire country because you can't let the Ukrainians be in charge of demilitarization. You can't let the Ukrainians be in charge of denazification. You think the Nazis are just going to go, oh, I guess that's it for me. I got to walk away. No. You have to be in charge of that of that process if you're going to do it at all. And I was saying this back in February and March of 2022. So here we are today after multiple attempts at peace have come and gone, most notably uh, the peace that was almost achieved less less than a month after the war began in, you know, 2022, March, April of 2022. That draft treaty that the Ukrainians initialed, that they didn't fall through on, the, the treaty that had a stipulation where Russia was going to withdraw its troops from the north of Ukraine as a, as a symbol of goodwill, as a gesture of goodwill, and then Ukraine continues the fight and pretends that that was some great offensive that they conducted, where they pushed Russia out. All these peace agreements... All, Minsk 1, Minsk 2, unofficial Minsk 3, which was that treaty in March that I just talked about. All these agreements broken. 
why would Russia even want to make a treaty with you? It's, it's incredible that Putin's even open to the possibility after how untrustworthy the Ukrainians have proven to be, at least from the perspective of the Russians. Why would you sign a treaty with them when you, then they have a clear history of not abiding by those treaties and breaking their agreements with impunity. And especially when you know what them breaking the agreements of this treaty is going to be. It's going to be them be joining NATO, joining the EU, remilitarizing, rearming, and doubling down on their pathologically hostile stances towards Russia. And I, again, I said it early on, if Ukraine loses the war, but there's still a rump state Ukraine, they're going to be more incentivized to join NATO. Because Ukraine, when it was stronger, lost a war to a Russia that was weaker. If Russia takes Ukrainian territory, that means Russia gets bigger and stronger. If Ukraine loses territory, they get smaller and weaker. So if Russia wins and there's some a negotiated settlement where Russia gets to keep certain amounts of territory, Ukraine's going to have even more incentive to join NATO if they're an independent nation. Because now you have a smaller and weaker Ukraine living next door to a larger and stronger Russia who just beat you in a war. That's why I didn't see how Ukraine made it to the other side of this conflict. I thought, and I still believe, that in the end, Ukraine's just going to cease to exist. But given all these peace summits, these attempts at solving it, it's only the Ukrainians and the West who cannot come to terms with reality. With reality, we're the only ones. Everyone else is like, okay, you have to give up land. And again, it's, it's a shock that the Russians are even willing to negotiate at all, even though they're not invited to this, this peace summit here. But it's, it's so detrimental to the Ukrainians, not to anybody and to nobody else, but the Ukrainians, they are the ones who are taking the biggest L here and everybody knows it. And yet they come to these fake peace talks demanding everything from Russia. They, they want to demand everything from Russia, but they don't want Russia to be there to hear them make the demands. They don't have the humility to say, we've lost. What do you need from us in exchange for our territory back? And again, there's the chance, there's the chance that Russia might give it back if you agree to certain stipulations. I'm not entirely sure. But if there was ever a chance, you're not going to get that chance by fighting Russia. You're going to get that chance by coming to Russia and saying, look, everything's on the table. What do you need from us? We want our territory back. That's the only way. But that would first require you to accept the reality that you can't force Russia out militarily. You can't outflank them diplomatically. And, well... No one else thinks that you can win the war. You have to accept that reality first if you were to do the one thing that might possibly get you your territory back. But they don't want to do it. Instead, we have these fake peace summits, which fell apart because everyone else had their own ideas about how the peace was going to go. And damn near everybody, uh, aside from Ukraine, of course, said that Ukraine was just going to have to give up territory. And then the day after the summit ended because it went on for a little while, the day after the summit ends, 
Ukraine comes out saying that it would not negotiate with Russia anymore. <laughs> they, they they just wouldn't negotiate at all. And, and that it would intensify their efforts in the war. And we have statements from uh, Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitro Kuleba, uh, their foreign minister. He stated, quote, if and when Kiev decides to negotiate with Moscow, it will not do so with Russian President Vladimir Putin, end quote. And he continues by saying that Putin, quote, has committed too many serious crimes. It is clear to us that we will never be able to see Putin and Zelensky sitting at the same table, end quote. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll continue. I'll finish his statements before I jump in here. Kuleb also said that they'd negotiate with Russia. Uh, they would negotiate with Russia, just not with Putin. But first on the condition, Russia first has to meet the condition that Russia withdraws all their troops from Ukraine. Then they'll be willing to negotiate with Russia, but not with Putin in charge. So they have to get rid of Putin and they have to pull all their troops out of Ukraine. Uh, to which I might ask, what exactly would there be to negotiate at that point? Again, it's so unrealistic. They, and, uh, let me let me finish before let me finish before I before I go on my my fully fledged rant here, because I can feel the rant building up. I just... <laughs> Kuleba then goes on to say, and Dimitro Kuleba, he then goes on to say that quote the counteroffensive will soon give us victories, and we will continue to fight. We have no alternatives, end quote. He finishes that statement by saying, quote, it's not easy for our soldiers to advance, but we will. Our military capabilities are growing while Russia's are decreasing. Uh, and then he, he also says that Ukraine is counting on is counting on the fact that the war will end in our favor at some point. So to summarize that, we had a peace summit. Russia wasn't invited. Ukraine didn't get its way. And now they've ruled out negotiations completely because they got humbled by everyone there saying, you're going to have to give up territory if you want peace. You're going to have to give up territory if you want peace. Hey, you can't win. You throw in the towel. Give up the territory if you want peace. And they didn't like, they didn't, they did not like that shit. They said, you know what? We're just not going to negotiate. We're, we're just not going to negotiate. They didn't get their way. Now they've ruled out negotiations because they don't like Putin. And they'll only talk to those meanies, those stupid meanies, if they get rid of Putin. Hmm. It, they're children. They're children, these people. And I'm not even just talking about the Ukrainians. I'm talking about everybody everybody on the the pro-ukraine side of this conflict ranging from the ukrainians the europeans the the british the and uh, the americans they're all children they're all children bro like what is this they're and they're just so emotionally invested. Uh, they they can't accept any reality, any hard reality that they don't like. Ukraine can't win the war against Russia. They they charge into a minefield, get blown half to death, and then by the time they decide to retreat, the Russians have uh, 
filled the hole with more mines. They deployed more mines behind your fort of behind the formation. So when you retreat, you just walk into another minefield. It's they've gained a hundred square kilometers out of eighty-seven thousand in exchange for two and a half months. Hundreds of tanks, hundreds of armored vehicles, and tens of thousands of men. There's, And their response to that is to hold a summit where they don't invite the Russians and yet demand things from the side that's winning the war. We're delusional. That's what it is. We're delusional. And on top of that, we're emotional. Too emotional for any form of rational dialogue up to and including peace talks. And the result of our leadership's failure to behave like adults is anywhere from 600,000 to 800,000 Ukrainians being made into casualties of this war. It's insane. And mind you, this war could have ended Nine years ago, had we embraced the Minsk Accords and had we forced Ukraine to embrace the Minsk Accords instead of enabling them to walk around them as though they didn't exist. A war that could have ended in April of last year, had we not sabotaged the negotiations and sabotaged that draft treaty that the Ukrainian delegation had already signed, the, the, the war was almost over. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even need to be having these discussions in Mecca about Ukraine getting all of its territory back had we done literally nothing and had the Ukrainians accepted peace back in March. And they wouldn't have had to accept peace back in March where they gave up the Donbass and Crimea. They wouldn't have needed to accept that had they accepted Minsk too back in 2015. They would have had all their territory. They, we, we literally would not be having this discussion right now had they gone along with the peace that was laid out to them by Minsk too. Had they given autonomy to the Donbass, they would have kept all of their territory, especially if they had done it early enough. And yet here we are, where it's just one declined peace deal after the next, and now when the deal being offered to you isn't to your liking because you declined all the, the deals that were better for you, now you want to go back to, you want to turn back the clock to the way it was before. You can't get that. You can't get that. That's not how that works. And nobody in Ukraine is willing to accept that reality. They would rather sit there, cross their arms and puff out their cheeks than to admit that they've lost. Then to admit that, you know what, we can't get the territory back by force. We have to negotiate. We have to talk to the other side. And our leadership in the United States is no better, unfortunately, because we enable this childish behavior because we reward them with billions and tens of billions and hundreds of billions of dollars. It's a damn shame. It really is a damn shame.
This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.